Welcome, everybody, to Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm your sweet, succulent sorcerer, Holden McNeely. Bring, 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 bring. Bring, bring. What's that noise? Who could that be? Otacon. <laughs> I need some more clearance. <laughs> the metal gear has been spotted in the left hangar. Kept you waiting, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am the. Are you, wait, did you wizard or bruiser? Uh, I did uh, sorcerer, which is te- which I will say on technicality is wizard this week. Then this time I'm the fighter class, the bruiser, Jake Young. Ooh. And uh, we're going to be doing the life and times of Hideo Kojima. The uh, nearly ageless, super cool game dev tour. Hell yeah! And we should also mention uh, we got Wendy from Unlimited Lives on the on the boards with us today. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Feel the heat, the lightning storm of energy. Oh my God! It's a fire in here. Uh, that, uh, Hideo Kojima, the, mm-hmm. the Metal Gear series, uh, a classic uh, series. We were just kind of touching base with each other about how much we'd played of the games. For me personally, um, when I was a, uh, in high school, I believe, I had a PlayStation, my favorite game at the time, Final Fantasy VII. Um, wasn't really into military games or, or the military in general. My brother, I believe, got me the game for Christmas, and I beat that game three times in two days. <laughs> I did both different endings where, where you, you, you succumb to the torture and then you beat the torture by hitting X a bunch, and then I played it a third time just because I wanted to beat the game using the stealth uh, uh, suit that allowed you to be you Predator You wanted to get the uh, Otakon, Otakon romantic ending? Yes, I got that Otakon <laughs> romantic ending. It was amazing. I got the suit. You could wear the James Bond suit mm-hmm. if you beat it enough times. I couldn't put it down and haven't really looked back. I, I played most of the entries in the series. Jake? Um, I mean, I, he's been a presence throughout uh, basically the modern era of gaming. He, he, was ha- a- you, he is undeniable. Uh, but uh, he, he's a very special presence in gaming because he, uh, everyone loves having the guy. Like, Shigeru Miyamoto is the Mario Zelda guy. And uh, at a very key point in gaming history, which is that uh, 32-bit, 64-bit, 3D era when basically within a month of each other, Ocarina of Time and Metal Gear Solid came out. And the entire the entire landscape shifted because that was our first taste of what can truly be done in a 3D environment, in a truly immersive, narrative-driven game. Right there, front and center, was Hideo Kojima. His name is right there. And there he was at all the game conferences. This cool, kind of nerdy guy who uh, was, like, really slick. He was very, he had a flair for the dramatic, and he never went away. He was a constant presence throughout the entire evolution of modern gaming. Absolutely. He, he seemed to sort of always push the envelope, push the barrier, and it was really interesting to watch. And we'll, we'll go through game by game for sure. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. But just on, at, at a glance, mm-hmm. you just look. It's just like Metal Gear, 10 out of 10s across the board, 9 mm-hmm. out of 10 across the board. People saying this is a must. This is a classic. Metal Gear 2 comes out. Be- people say, best, game, best game for the PlayStation 2, arguably. Weird ending. We'll get to it. Yeah, complete, <laughs> yeah completely insane storytelling. But also... 
also just you know I mean it's all there. there there's there's an argument to be made for the storytelling there's an argument to be made for the gameplay it was all pushing the envelope and it just kept happening Metal Gear 3 Metal Gear 4 Metal Gear 5 uh, Metal, Gear, Metal Gear Metal Gear Metal <laughs> Gear uh, Zone of the Enders sort uh, of hell I even played Boktai and that yeah, was a pretty rad game that's pretty cool he even made a game where you had to be in the sun in order to wield the weapon in the game because mm-hmm. uh, uh, of uh, the cartridge had a little solar thing you on it you had to it. be outside you didn't have to be like burning alive in the white hot plasma <laughs> of the solar system um, but uh, one of the hallmarks is this very bizarre mishmash of two very different pop cultures yes all the, uh, one of the hallmarks of Hideo Kojima is that he makes he takes all these western movie influences stuff yes. like Rambo James Bond Lethal Weapon uh, The Great Escape Great Escape of course uh, uh, Blade Runner all these very American ideas and then he animates the fuck out of them yes into like where you can't even see the seams anymore yes and it creates this very unique narrative universe where like tropes upon tropes are interacting in ways that you never imagined and as a kid for me who was not a big time anime watcher and i don't even know if i discovered dragon ball at the point that i got metal gear solid mm-hmm. it was like so confusing and awesome and just like it was just something like not knowing all of those influences yeah. was almost more incredible to experience this giant crazy mishmash where i was like i'm watching a the fir- first of all i'm getting the first experience of a film in a game mm-hmm. like essentially like a game that no, felt like opening a movie. credits opening credits it had Big, awesome cinematic plot turns, great characters, um, and then also fucking mechs and like <laughs> ninjas, 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 space ninjas. Yeah, yeah, it was the shit, man. And I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold on it, but I just knew that I was addicted to it. I mean, it's the, that level of melodrama. Yes. Do you think love can bloom on the battlefield? Yeah, like <laughs> all that shit with um, what's the sniper wolf? Mm-hmm. That fucking like super sad dramatic <laughs> shit with her. And I'm like, what am I playing? Like, <laughs> I mean, it was just so new when and all different. the birds just fucking eat Vulcan yeah. Raven and his body disappears. Yeah, it's like I'm a little kid playing this <laughs> shit, and I'm just like, what? You know? And I'm I'm feeling feelings. I think. I mean, it was one of the first time I felt like that and then and then the next moment you know it's like and then boobs and yeah. then uh, and then uh, you know mech and then you know yeah it was just craziness uh, so let's flash back let's take it back to Jake. Hideo Kojima's inarguably depressingly sad childhood <laughs> <laughs> holy shit what a sad boy he uh just cause yeah okay maybe his dad passed away when he was only 13 years maybe old maybe he moved around a lot and had to like form new friends and couldn't make any friendships because his family moved around a lot. Maybe because of his childhood, whenever he travels, he stays at a hotel and puts uh, and stays at a hotel. He puts the TV on as soon as he enters the room because he cannot deal with the feeling of deep, deep loneliness. Maybe he was a latchkey kid who was socially ostracized because he was from a single parent household because his dad died and even un- and even then they were financially unstable during a time of otherwise. Prosperity in Japan. But that's why he wrote 
He wrote and he wrote. He wrote and he wrote and he wrote arguably too much, which would kind of come up later on in his career. He was sending short stories to magazines. He couldn't get anything published. I love this fact because it's so telling about the Kojima we would come to know and love. They were often 400 pages long, while most magazines wanted their short stories to be around 100 pages long. So that's why I kept getting rejected, which just makes so much sense. Because all these games are really long. Well, especially the cutscenes, yeah. especially Metal Gear 2, which we'll get to later, but holy shit, when I was in college and that game came out, I was like, mouth agape, are you serious? <laughs> it was like 30 minute long cutscenes. I couldn't believe it. In a uh, 2004 uh, interview with Edge Magazine, he talks about how the defining uh, tone of his childhood was death. <laughs> uh, he claims that within his, his most vivid childhood memories are the times he almost died, like uh, when he was uh, he almost drowned in a river. Uh, he was nearly hit by a train, and uh, most traumatically, he was attacked by a savage dog. That makes you know, and and uh, and you would come to he would come to explore the theme of death several times over and over again in his games. It's always sort of there. It's always kind of in the present and really like out of nowhere moments too. <laughs> a lot of times, which which is what's so special and great about him. So he uh, at first wanted to be a filmmaker, of course, and I, I think we'll, we'll continue to to bring this back up. He was very very influenced by film. He was a he he still is a big movie buff, and and that is so so uh, just just so apparent in in all of his work. And he started making movies with an eight millimeter camera. Went to film school, but while he was in school, he started playing a lot of video games on his Famicom, <laughs> and he started to he he eventually decided he would try to break into the games industry. Super. He claims that it was Super Mario Brothers that uh, that did it for him. And Yuji Horii's uh, The Portopia Serial Murder Case. Uh, that was, I've seen footage of it. It is a very crude, like, point-and-click adventure game. Mm -hmm. You know, look-see. Uh, it was, it was reminds me a lot of um, the investigative parts of Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Like, very, very much, much so. so. You get a crime scene. you got to explore it. you got to talk to people. Yuji uh, Ori also uh, ended up making the uh, Dragon's Warrior, Dragon Quest series. Mm. That was oh, infinitely wow. more popular. Uh, he's a he's a. If only his stuff was more popular in America, we could do a whole episode on that guy. But um, the uh, he was yeah no so he was very he was he was very influenced by that game. He said it was it had mystery, a three D dungeon, humor, and a proper background and explanation of why the murderer committed the crime. That is why there was drama in this game. My encountering this game expanded the potential of video games in my mind. Now, you have to understand that deciding to be into game development Ooh. back in the 80s was based in Japan. In, it's not like now where you'd be like, hey, guys, I think I'm going to be into software development. And everyone's going to be like, oh, cool, that's a stable real job. Probably pretty smart. Yeah. You might as well just walk up to your family back then and just be like, hey, guys, I'm joining a sex cult for weird people. <laughs> It costs $95,000 a month to join, and I'm using my butthole as a bank account. Pardon me, child. I have to go out back and seppuku my fucking whole self uh, is normally the response, but, of course, in Japanese. Um. It's... Uh 
<laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, real. There wasn't. There wasn't. Even though the Famicom was this landmark thing, the industry was so new. Uh, we talk about. We talked about this a little bit uh, in our Pokemon episode that uh, video games was not a proper uh, pass. It was not a proper profession yet, despite all the money that was flowing into. And it. he had no programming background, so it made it even harder for him to break into this already like weird and new industry. So, so he had a lot of ideas, and he was sending a lot of ideas out to different dev companies but they were all just like mm, you know and and he finally did break in with uh, Konami as a designer and planner yes now the for, for the MSX home computer system uh, the MSX was a uh, co-developed uh, with Microsoft to be a standardized uh, set of, of uh, specifications so that for the first time uh, Japanese home computers could run software built on different hardware built mm. for you know it was it was, it was it was a it was an industry standard ah. Um, and but still, it was the PC port. Like the real hot money was in Famicom. So even even then, he was still shuttled off to kind of like the shitty DOS port. Yeah, he was kind of he wasn't happy working with the with the MSX uh, as the color palette was very limited. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Back in, for you youngins, back in the day, uh, it was actually the consoles that had the best graphics mm. and the best uh, capabilities of rendering sprites and motion and scrolling. Whereas if you uh, wanted to get the PC port of a popular 8-bit game, you had a choppy, weird, blippy piece of shit. Indeed, and uh, computers was the size of a room! <laughs> Uh, every day we'd have to feed it a whole chicken. You had to cut your penis off every morning before you went to school, or you'd be cursed by the many leprechauns that waited for you outside. Hence the term floppy dicks. <laughs> um, so, of course, knowing uh, uh, knowing uh, Kojima, the first game he uh, ended up working on was a little number called Penguin Adventure. That one looked fun. I saw that I one. did to think you know, it's so funny. I, I I really did not think I did not think going into looking at a video of it that I would actually be like, I kind of want to play that, but I kind of want to play Penguin Adventure. You play, but it's it's a instead of a side scroller, it's kind of a front to back scroller. Yes. As you jump over little pits, as a cute penguin trying to find his penguin girl. Think of it as the Sonic the Hedgehog mini game in Sonic Two. Mm. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Where you're kind of going in, towards the screen, I guess. Is you know. As, but there was already those. Cinematic flourishes. Every there was like little cutscenes, and yes. the penguin would finish each level and like be exhausted and think of his love and get motivated to go further. And all these weird like item upgrades and collecting and stuff, and all this just strange layers. It was like added the Binding of Isaac, but with penguins and less fetuses. <laughs> yeah, definitely, way less fetuses. <laughs> Significant less fetus content. We promise you, this year in 2017. Penguin fetuses will not be in the game. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, but he wasn't taken seriously because he wasn't a programmer. He was a designer planner, which uh, led him to pitching a lot of ideas that just weren't feasible at the time. Like uh, Lost World. Ah, uh, Lost World. So Lost World, we're saying that weird because uh, it's world with an A instead of an O because he wanted he was trying to combine the words war and world. He's really got an interesting knack for the the, mo 
most mind-bending titles of games. Like, I don't know what it is. There's just something about the way he titles a game. It just makes the brain hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was an action game with a female masked fighter protagonist uh, in an Indiana Jones theme. Um, I don't know much more besides the fact that it was just straight-up rejected. No, he worked his butt off on it. There were several months' worth of work on it. This was supposed to be his, ha-ha, fuckers, I, I'm a big guy. I got a, I'm Mr. I'm a good, cool, good, cool, I good s- dude. I can see him saying that stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was canceled, and that was a huge setback. He was thinking of quitting, but his last kind of shot at redemption was to turn around this failing project called Metal, Metal Gear. Did you play Metal Gear? Uh, I played it a little bit for the NES, which is not the version that Hideo Kojima worked on. Yes. Um, but the core of the Metal Gear idea was that they wanted, a, uh, at the time, there were very popular sh- uh, military action shooters, uh, stuff like Ikari Warriors mm. and uh, Commando. Uh, Punch Punch Man. No, no, no. Uh, you have a metal hook arm and you swing around. Oh, fuck. I know what you're... Com- uh, Command and Conquer? No. no uh, Command and Conquer. Uh, uh, I know what you're talking about, though. He, in Marvel vs. Capcom, you're Spencer and you have the cool... Uh, <laughs> oh, Is it, it Bionic Commando? Bionic oh, Commando. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank God it happened. Yes, it's fix it in editing. Yeah, uh, make it look like I knew the. I remembered the name. Go Bionic ahead, Commando. remember. He did it. I believe it name. was Bionic Commando, <laughs> as well as Contra, oh. that had fast action, lots of shooting, and uh, a lot of scrolling and enemies on screen. Mm. But the MSX just simply could not render. It just no. would not allow that level of movement and action. So Kojima came up with an idea. <laughs> Why not make it about stealth? Um, which was a completely new idea back in the time. He was inspired by the film The Great Escape. Why not make it about a military man escaping prison, a prison escape? Oh, so like you have limited resources Mm. and it's about moving from single static room to static room Mm. and avoiding combat when possible. Yes, exactly. Let me take you back in time right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and and uh, man, was it, and was that noise? That noise was in the original. Was it in the OG? I game? remember it from the PlayStation One games. I, I yeah. never played the I older think it, games. Well, I I did. Okay, so actually earlier this year, um, I got I downloaded it a ROM of it on an emulator, and I played through. I pulled up a the MSX that, version. Yes, wow. I pulled. I, I don't know if it was the true. It might have been the Nintendo version, but I played through the entire. Uh, OG Metal Gear and uh, what was the first starting screen? Were you coming out of uh, Were you coming out of water or were you coming out of like a weird helicopter truck thing? Oh, might have been the helicopter. I don't know. You were playing the NES version. Okay, well, I, I there, was the first screen just like a bunch of dogs on your ass. Maybe, yeah. That was the NES version. Okay, I uh, it was it was it was really interesting. It was really fun to go back, and I know it wasn't the true true, but it was a very fascinating game to go to go back and play. Well, you know? here's the key difference: is um, uh, it was a it was it did well for the MSX. Yes. It was a critical hit. Yes. Uh, this new style of gameplay with kind of cinematic twists, uh, and it was well made. Uh, made it popular, but Konami wanted to expand the market, and the biggest market it could get was uh, the NES market in America on the Nintendo. So they made a uh, Famicom Nintendo version using a completely different team. Hideo Kojima was not involved, and they changed a lot of weird shit. So a lot of the frustrations that I remember like picking it up 
and being like, what is this? I, you know, it's very frustrating. It's very easy to die. Once you have it going, there's literally no way to play through it unless you have a strategy guide. It involves it's the only way I was able to. You get a key card, and it's the number two key card, yeah. and you're like, okay, now I just have to find the number two door, but the doors aren't labeled. Right, right. Cla- and- classic Nintendo, just like completely impossible without a strategy guide kind of game. And the thing is, the number two key card might end up being useful four hours later in another random door. So every random unlabeled door, you have to try the number one key card and the two key card and the three key card. And that's just a time sink. There's all these weird little rules that like you have to follow. Uh, there's one th- like you have to rescue hostages, but if uh, to gain rank, to gain uh, life and ammo capacity. But it's very easy to just die. And, or to kill a hostage without thinking because like there's sometimes there's like enemies around and then you'll lose a rank and it's possible to enter a state where you don't have enough hostages left to get the rank needed to get enough explosives to actually defeat the game so you're just fucked right yeah uh different characters need different ideas there's a lot of weird puzzles involved and it's all the nintendo the nintendo version is extremely frustrating that the msx version is a is apparently i've only watched like youtube reviews for for this episode because i'm lazy <laughs> the msx version actually flows in a much more intuitive and and interesting and like better Inter- better state i mean is there a, do we have a reason for why they it got fucked up in translation to to the uh to i mean the a port, ports are always underfunded it's always the b team making it and um but that version sold a million copies in america which you know back in the day when a cartridge was a plastic like box with a printed chip in it costing anywhere from you know 40 to 60 back then dollars that Mm -hmm. was like a huge hit for konami so they actually went ahead and made a follow-up called snake's revenge using that same so it was a bastard sequel of a bastard (laughs) port with no involvement of the actual guy who came up with the original idea i heard that game is the hottest of garbage it's not great yeah um i mean i hate i never even touched that one the original uh, nes port of Metal Gear pissed me off. But <laughs> oddly enough, it's that weird bastard like offshoot that was so popular in America that gave Metal Gear Solid the cachet it needed to be a hit when it finally when Metal Gear Solid by Kojima finally made it to America. Interesting. So so in between that that time, we've got a couple games to talk about. Mm. Snatcher being the big one. Mm. Um and uh, uh, that that was a graphic adventure for the MSX two, mm-hmm. the souped up MSX. If you were the cool kid in your Japanese block, you had an MSX two. Wait, was, I think I think Metal Gear Solid. I think I think original Metal Gear was also for MSX two. Metal, yeah, original Metal. Oh, was original Metal Gear for it? You know what? This is the least interesting thing to do. <laughs> It was influenced uh, by sci-fi works like Blade Runner and Terminator. Um, it looks really great. It's it's essentially a visual novel <laughs> with some sort of like weird this weird like kind of shooter thing that happens in between. Oh, you needed a, post- a light gun to play the uh, Sega CD version. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you could use oh, a light shit. gun for That's the shooting amazing. segments. I mean, it looks great. Um, the story looks really cool. I love how there is a little Metal Gear in it. Mm-hmm. There's a little the little communication device you use is a, is, is a is a Metal Gear um, and. And it's kind of an interesting, you know, um, uh, it's, it's about an amnesiac detective who faces a race of cyborgs called Snatchers. They kill their victims, copy their likeness, and assume their place in society. And, I mean... But you got- what is humanity, man? Exactly, J. 
handshake exactly. But, and, and, you know, it, that sounds like a very well, you know, worn territory now. Mm-hmm. But for storytelling back then, it was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really, you know, capturing and tackling very cinematic story-like ideas in in these games that was very new for the time he was on the forefront of that kind of storytelling plus that aesthetic of a kind of cyberpunk philip k dick mixed with 80s 90s anime is basically all of vaporwave right now (laughs) like that aesthetic is so hot and singular and snatcher is one of the primary sources for that entire like kind of pixely 16-bit pastel kind of anime dark cool future uh, uh, visuals that are really popular right now. Check your Tumblr right now. I highly recommend to, to look up a YouTube video of a playthrough of it. It's very interesting. I, I, it looks really neat to me. I, I kind of want to go back and play that one. And then, of course, uh, Police Knots, uh, which was for the 3DO, Jake, mm, the in 1995. Um, Where are my 3DO fans at? <laughs> I know, I know. If you're listening to this podcast, you were a CDI boy. Right. Everybody knew a kid that knew a kid that had a 3DO. Um, I remember, God, I remember going to Nobody Beats the Wiz trying out the whoa. 3DO and being like, wow, this is really slow and unresponsive. And, <laughs> and expensive, right? And it was it? like 800 back then yeah. dollars, which Oof. is like $5 trillion now. Yeah, it's like VR fucking fully re- like a Vive now. Yeah, what if the HTC Vive was even more expensive and did not fucking work? <laughs> uh, Please Not's film, uh, it's a sci-fi uh, uh, about a space colony. Um, Highly influenced by Lethal Weapon. You yes. had like a, you were a mulleted cool cop who had like a black partner and you had to solve a mystery involving your your ex-wife. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and, and her new husband's sudden disappearance. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, and then, and then I actually love this. He worked on a 1997 to 98. He worked on a Toki Memorial Drama Series, which was a tril- trilogy of visual novels that was straight up a dating sim. Uh, Toki Meki Memorial was the er dating sim. They uh, Konami. It was like. One of Konami's like big franchises uh, in Japan. It's like it had a Castle- ton of entries. Yeah, Castlevania, Metal Gear, uh, uh, Contra, and Tokimeki Memorial. And uh, I think, I think I even played it like once in high school because I was lonely and weird. Um, <laughs> now I'm just weird. Uh, <laughs> and it was all about how like you'd, you'd be like, oh, I'm in, I'm a normal high school boy, and I'm in love with 18 individual girls who are singularly defined by hair color and hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wouldn't it? You only answer like one que- one multiple choice question on a date, and then that just like t- decides whether they like you. Well, more. you decide after school whether you work out or study, and that decides whether or not you can date the athletic girl or the good girl who's from a rich family. Ooh, I'm gonna study. <laughs> um, so then we really get into the meat of it. In 1998, for the PlayStation, a little-known game called Metal Gear Solid hit, blew the doors off of the gaming world. And uh, uh, I I do want to note, he did change the name to Metal Gear Solid instead of Metal Gear 3, because he did feel like the Metal Gear series didn't have quite the popularity Mm -hmm. to be a Metal Gear 3, so that's why you get that Metal Gear Solid. I was always curious about that. I'm like, it's so weird the way Metal Gear... Metal Gear 2, of course, the Snake's Revenge. 
and then just went into the solid thing, and then it became MGS. There was there was a Metal Gear Two for the MSX Two uh, that actually feel it plays very much like a two D version of Metal Gear Solid. A lot of the uh, twists and characters from that uh, from that sequel mm. appears in Metal Gear Solid, um, including like the weird thing where you have to find the codec code on the back of the game box. Let's talk about some of the things that this game did. That's that's a great intro mm. to that. Okay, yeah. So at one point you have to enter. Uh, a, a codec code that is actually on the case of the game, which really fucked people over who rented the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually some rental places uh, included that little thing in in the rental box mm-hmm. if they were the cool place. But normally, uh, I think you would just be kind of straight up screwed. I mean, uh, the the who's uh, who's the guy that's giving you the orders? It's um the DARPA chief or no uh, no no like Snake. You have to go to the yeah yeah. I think it was just like the general or the the. The, he would eventually be like, you have to look on the back of the box, Snake. Look on the back of the box, Snake. And that's the same thing as... um. And then, of course, uh, the most memorable probably thing in the game, at least in my opinion, the Psycho Mantis fight, where you literally had... He was a mind reader, and you literally had to move the controller uh, from port one to port two so that he could no longer read your mind. And at one point, he looks into your memory card. Mm-hmm. I see you play a lot of Castlevania. <laughs> Uh, and he tells you the games you've been playing to freak you out. Mm-hmm. I played that fight at like 2 in the morning or some shit. Uh, I remember it was Christmas break when I was playing this game obsessively. And it, I was super freaked out. And when I had to do that with the controller 1 port into the controller 2 port, I was just blew me away. I could not believe it. That is a hallmark of Hideo Kojima's games are these just random details that take you that will that will go out of its way to take you out of the experience to kind of like remind you and reach out to you there in your living room and be like, "Hey, I see you playing this game." And then, like, anyway, that was fun. Back to adventure. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, I I think he said in an interview once that he wanted to have a game where you only got one life and it self-destructed in your console (laughs) the moment you died. Like, this is the mind we're talking about. He was constantly trying to find ways to, like, break the fourth wall and and fuck with the the gamer. Um, And even the—so even though there's all these heavy themes and, like, all this death and action and, like, intrigue— there were also just like all these weird uh, fourth wall breaking moments where if you were smoking a cigarette, like your 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 codec calls would be like, "Snake, are you fucking smoking? <laughs> That's really unhealthy. You can yeah, get yeah. cancer." <laughs> or like if you were staring at a female character too long, like uh, she would be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" and like punch you. It yeah, was... yeah. So all these little Easter eggs in his games, all these little moments, and all these little moments of humor in his games, mm-hmm. and that's always the weird. So, so there's two there's two things at play here. There's all these push and pulls, right? There's like really going for really hard military realism, and then also being like totally insane anime, right? <laughs> there is there is trying to immerse you in the story, and then doing insane wall breaking stuff to pull you out of it. Um, th- th- it's like a constant with him like kind of back and forth you know Mm -hmm. and then of course the super seriousness and then this really nutty humor that is just so 
specifically Kojima style, so 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 his own. Because um, yeah, you've got you know, I mean, they okay, they worked with the Huntington Beach SWAT team, <laughs> and they went to uh, they went to like forts, they went to gun ranges and shot guns. They did such hyper real military research. Oh, they had a weapons D. expert. Yeah, <laughs> they had a weapons expert, Modisada Mori, who was the technical advisor, um, who who like worked with like on SWAT teams. He he would later come up with the CQC battle type uh, that they used in Metal Gear 3, um, which stands for Close Quarters Combat. Uh, yeah, literally game devs were at firing ranges shooting guns for this game. Like, just such bizarre, immersive stuff. And Kojima even stated that if the player isn't tricked into believing that the world is real, then there's no point in making the game. And at the same time, you could totally, like, hide in a cardboard box that you kept in your pocket <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as well. Like, like it's... You could use uh, wolf urine to make dogs love you. Yes. Yeah, totally. So, you could pop some pills just to get steady for a sniping team. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Who knows what they are? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, like dense... diazepam or um, something out. Something out. There's always a guy with the shits in every single one of his games. <laughs> every single game, there's, someone has the shits. There's always a, po- a well, it's soldier. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. He always has, or his son, <laughs> depending on what game, or his dad or whatever. It's hereditary. Yeah, yeah, it's a hereditary issue. I mean, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, there's always like a a, a bikini girl inside the locker you can hide in, mm-hmm. so that if you're looking in first person, you'll see this like, it's just ridiculous. And, oh, oh, and you can hide. Uh, you can leave porno mags on the floor and distract guards with them. I know we're, that we're that was kind one. Of, we're we're confusing like some of the some of the dumb stuff from Metal Gear, Metal Gear one two and to two. one. But yeah, we're just giving. I'm just giving examples yeah. of just all the bizarre weird stuff and then at the same time like hyper realistic military action it's you truly believe the government has your best interests at heart <laughs> question everything <laughs> yeah exactly and um so this game really and we already talked about this before but this really was the first game at least in my experience that full-on felt like i was playing a movie which is hilarious to say looking back on it i think anybody who did not play it originally goes back and plays Metal Gear solid you would the last thing you would think was that you were playing a movie but for i mean they're their faces don't move. They're yeah. like very blocky textures. So Early any any footage of like these big dramatic scenes look like someone just bobbing Lego models around. They're just kind of just these blank faces going like, do you really think you can find the truth here? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a huge hit, right? Shipped six million copies worldwide. Uh, became one of the most rented games, which I think is a funny fact <laughs> considering what our current climate is. Of no, never, nobody rents games anymore <laughs> in that sense. Um, so it was a huge, huge hit, which brought on, of course, uh, the 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 call for a sequel, Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty, which came out on the PS2 in 2001. Um, where I mean, where do we even start? I think the main thing we start with is they kept a secret who the protagonist was. They made everybody think that it was going to be Solid Snake, mm-hmm. and then Solid Snake is only in the very, very beginning intro, and then boom, well, they released you're a the different de- guy. They released the demo. Like, that's the thing. This was the PlayStation 2, the uh, incredibly popular, eagerly anticipated sequel to the PlayStation, and this was Metal Gear Solid 2, the eagerly anticipated sequel to the most popular PlayStation game. So, like, the expectations were through the roof, and the tanker level, which was uh, the demo that they released, along with today, could Kojima's other game, Zone of the Enders, which is a big anime mecha fest. Zone of the Enders. Uh, you're 
you're shooting and flying around in 3D space. It kind of feels like you're a Dragon Ball character because mm. you're just like zooming around and shooting shit. Also, Zone of the Enders, uh, very notable. The robots had their cockpit in a literal penis wedge <laughs> on the crotch oh, could of the of the robots. That was where every robot in that series has just a big old ding dong. Yeah, we should note that there's also a lot of weird horniness that kind of runs through all of Corgina. I'd say healthy, normal weird horniness. <laughs> okay, sure, I'll go with that. <laughs> It wasn't until Metal Gear Solid Five that I was like, oh, I'm a grown-up, and this is sad. <laughs> <laughs> you will regret your words and deeds. Mm. Um, uh, that, of course, we'll get to that with Quiet, uh, mm. the character. Uh, that, that was his quote about people's uh, initial judgments of Quiet's uh, interesting so, costume choice. Metal Gear Solid Two had uh, Raiden. Yes, um, who people were pretty upset that it was Raiden. Um, he said, first of all, he didn't want for uh, Solid Snake to have to go through a tutorial. It wouldn't make any sense for him to need to learn how to use a weapon and mm-hmm. anything like that. They also He also wanted to show Snake from another person's viewpoint was mm-hmm. another one of his arguments um, for why he went with Raiden. Um, I think also just to fuck with people. He said um, it, this was from Kojima's design doc. Document. He said the aim of the story involves a series of betrayals and sudden reversals to the point where the player is unable to tell fact from fiction, departing from the very clear and understandable story of its predecessor. That every character lies to betrays someone once, blurring the line between what is real and what is fantasy and ironies aimed at the digital society and gaming culture. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, well, can, should we spoil the ending? I mean, it's it's a super. It's old a very game. old game. You find out the, uh, at the end, it's all a simulation. Ah! Ah! The, the, nothing is real, and it's just kind of like liter- what? No, that literally the uh, adventure you've been on was a constructed sequel to Shadow Moses. Yes, which is what the game was <laughs> in its own weird way. Yes, they also get into uh, the power of memes and ideas, and like the corruption of government and money and living in a post-truth digital society, which maybe absolutely came fucking true. Yes. But let's not get into that bag of Trump. (laughs) I'm sorry, worms. I meant worms. (laughs) So, yeah, that's so much of um, kind of what's crazy with this game, what what you were just talking about, kind of leads us back to the fact this game had... Colonel Campbell, that was the guy. Colonel Campbell, this this game had 30-minute long Mm cutscenes, had just an insane amount of story wrapped into it, very confusing plot Sexy line. vampires whose powers are not explained. Sexy vampires. You've got um, Liquid Snake, the villain from the first game, is in the second game. But because his whole body is in this game? Not at all. <laughs> it's just his right arm, which communicates through Revolver Ocelot, which was one of the bosses you fought in the first game, who's in this game. But his arm got replaced with, with Liquid Snake's right arm, and that somehow allows Liquid Snake to communicate through Revolver Ocelot. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, Jake. Yeah, but Metal Gear Ray was real cool with his, like, cool water gun. That was I'll fucking cool. go with that. Shit, Emma man. Emmerich was, like, a cute nerdy girl. Yeah. Uh, uh, Otacon has that weird gross revelation about his family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so There's- in between uh, Metal Gear 1 and 2, there was the game that was, it was not, like, a story game. It was just called VR Missions. Mm-hmm. Did yes. you ever play that? Yeah. I uh, loved that game because if you didn't want to go through the half-hour cutscenes, you could just sneak and kill people and it get was, to the goal. It was the pure it was stealth. so much fun. Yeah, yeah. It was that pure stealth uh, with the mechanics. And and I, I'm glad you brought that up because just to, just to goes to show, and we're going to get a shift.
shift more towards gameplay, especially in five, but it was all happening at once. Mm -hmm. Really cool, interesting, new, fun mechanics mixed in with all this crazy ass story. It's like hard to pick the game apart because it's just so much is happening at once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like it's completely crazy. I um, feel like Metal Gear Solid Two is is the most extravagantly Kojima Kojima yeah. in terms of plot. Well, uh, four is four, oh yeah, four. four is just but four is just literally trying to sweep up yeah. just the splattering of gallbladders. Oh, we'll get there. So uh, real quick before we move on from two, um, a lot of the character names were originally not not they made changes to them, but they were originally a reference to the novel City of Glass from the New York trilogy by Paul Auster, which is a, a series of noir novels that I've always wanted to read. Um, the, the story is based on a detective who descends into madness when he becomes embroiled in a case. Mm. And I think that's really fucking cool. So it, just oh. to show you all the different influences in media that we're, we're, that Kojima was working with. Uh, one last note on Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, Sons of Liberty. Um, the, uh, one of the, the One of the main bosses is uh, Tentacle President. Yeah, okay. totally. Um, <laughs> uh, so before we get to Metal Gear Solid 3, I just want to give a shout out to Boktai, The Sun Is In Your Hand. That is the Vampire Hunter game where you had to play it outside in the sun because there was a photometric sensor on the game cartridge that charged up the hero's weapon. Uh, it was a fun isometric action RPG. I uh, played that one. And, oh, awesome. Uh, the one of the sequels that made it to America, Lunar Nights for the DS, was a really fun game that you didn't actually have to like walk around outside for. Uh, just very anime, very action-packed, very, ch again, like a lot of Kojima games, packed full of weird mechanics that you could take or leave. Um, your various abilities depended on like the weather. It was very, it was very fun. Um, so now we move on to Snake Eater. Snake Eater. Uh, we of course are quoting the song from Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater, which was very much so a James Bond knockoff and a uh, uh, theme song knockoff. And uh, this game was heavily influenced by Bond, set in 1964, a prequel, arguably one of the only prequels that you could say was as good as the source material, mm -hmm. if not better. It was an incredible game. Um, For, uh, quick piece of trivia: uh, the uh, the game starts uh, on virtuous mission, a uh, a, a specific uh, mission where uh, you have to recall a, a stolen nuke. That mission takes place on August 24th, 1963, which is, uh, I'm sorry, 1964, one year after Hideo Kojima's birthday. He wanted it. He wanted the Metal Gear franchise to start with his birth, but then he decided to make it in 1964 instead so he could incorporate the Kennedy assassination. Nice. Yeah. Good call. Good call, Kojima. This game was incredibly popular. Kojima said that his mother even played it. He was quoted as to saying, it took her an entire year to complete Metal Gear Solid 3. She would get her friends to help her. When she defeated the end, a character the player phases off during the game, she called me up and said, it is finished. Mm. Uh, that's my little segue for the end, which was probably the most memorable part of Metal Gear Solid 3, besides that part where you climb a ladder for, like, five minutes. Uh, I mean, there's this game is so full of chocolate. Like, there's I would so have said much the stuff. sorrow. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the end to me, like, when I recently watched the playthrough, I mean, there's just, it is a fascinating boss fight. It is like turning the boss fight on its head. It is a long chess game you're playing in a wide area where you have this giant 
giant sandbox. It would definitely kind of come to represent the type of gameplay you got in Metal Gear 5. Mm-hmm. You had all these different ways that you could take him out. He was an old man sniper that was healed by the sun. <laughs> and uh, he would just kind of camp out, and you could do all these. You just had all these different resources where you could really kind of d- d- do so many different things to try to take him down. And what I love about the boss fight is if you saved the game at the boss fight and waited a week, he would die from old age and you wouldn't have to fight him. Like literally, I mean, you could set the clock ahead on your PlayStation, but if you just saved the boss fight, waited an entire week of real time and then uploaded your save, he would die from old age. That's just one of those Kojima (laughs) moments. Uh, There's another moment earlier in the game where you see him in a distance, mm-hmm. and if you if you take him out in that scene, you don't have to do the boss. <laughs> How fucking crazy is that? I feel like all that stuff is like Kojima really pays attention to just like how gamers will push a game system to its limit and and reward you for doing that. Right. Um, Why was the sorrow for you? Because it was literally the sorrow was this uh, psychic character, mm. kind of like Psycho Mantis, who yes. uh, was also involved in the plot. Um, um, but uh, what he would do is he would put Snake into a hallucination where he was walking on a, along an endless gray river, sludging through it, and every single character that you personally killed in the game yes. would confront you. And so if you, like, burned someone alive, they would be, like, charred, and they'd be like, you burned me, you burned me. If you, oh, 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 this is crazy. If you killed... A, uh, a goon and then uh, waited for vultures to pick apart his body then eat the vulture for you know stamina because there was a lot of stamina and food management in this game uh, the character that you killed would have a vulture on his shoulder and he would point at you and said you ate me <laughs> you ate me so didn't you have to fake your own death in order to beat him I uh, I think so. Yeah, I believe that was why. Because you could you could die, and then um, you had to go to the game over screen. But there was like a a pill you could take, I think, or something like that, where you would wait. I I I, I forget exactly what it was, but the way to beat him was crazy. Yeah. Is all I'm trying to say. The way to beat him, you had there were a few different ways you could do it, and they were all nuts. Also, all like uh, in bizarre. response to the fan hatred of Raiden, they introduced the character Rykov, who was just a giant walking gay joke. <laughs> <laughs> they also uh, does. He appears looking like Raiden at the beginning of the game and then reveals that that was a mask just to fuck with people. It is weird. There's so many weird things. Metal Gear 3, incredible game. Um, That was supposed to be the final game in the series for Kojima. There's a hilarious uh, uh, Kotaku article out there that's just all the different quotes of Kojima saying that each Metal Gear was going to be the last Metal Gear, starting with Metal Gear 2. I believe two, yeah, or even I think after the first Metal Gear, it's like I'm ready to do something different. After the second Metal Gear, that's definitely the last one. And after the third Metal Gear, I know I've said it before, but this is absolutely gonna wrap up the game. Metal Gear Four, um, and then and on and on. He there, there's always a quote from Kojima saying this will absolutely be the last Metal Gear. But Metal Gear Four had to happen because the dude was getting death threats because for this. Yeah, there were there, there was such a fan outrage about about needing to real you know as much as he tried to kind of seal up all the things he left so many things open that he was they were even receiving death threats from from fans uh, to wrap up this story. Whoa, whoa, whoa. G- entitled gamers making death threats? <laughs> oh, thank God we're past that era. <laughs> <laughs> no Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, 
Yeah, we've got a, a, a prematurely old man solid snake, a prematurely aged solid snake. Fucking fox die, man, every time. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got this crazy war happening. I'm talking about Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots that came out on PlayStation 3, um, a PlayStation 3 exclusive. I mean, it was insane. Uh, the, the budget has been estimated to be between 50 to $70 million, uh, that's which Konami thing that, has denied. But uh, That's the thing uh, I was listening to a... Uh, interview uh with kojima and he talked about how he loves like the independence and auteur like kind of philosophy and getting the freedom to do what he wants but he knows that if he wants to do something big to get the money for it he has to say it's a metal gear game absolutely so yeah he just kept on kind of doing that um metal gear 4 fantastic game i kind of feel like we need to move right along to um it's like my friend was playing it one week and i was just like i can't even it's, begin it's bonkers nuts it's got like eight different endings um he tries to wrap everything up in this game it just it just is insane don't you get it the philosophers were controlled by by zero who was controlled by the kings of the patriots which was an ai set up in world war one in order to the chinese it is it is insane there are there are pages and pages on message boards and whatever you can there are so many theories about the whole story the synopsis of the plot of the metal gear series is the most insane impossible thing um there's just so much going on but don't worry there's a mini game mode where you can take uh, sexy photographs of the female bosses in bikinis <laughs> so um of course uh uh i'm not judging just morally condemning <laughs> so this is when Ko kojima and konami start having a falling out um there was uh, a game that i recommend if anybody can find it find someone who has it to play pt which stands for playable teaser which which was a game that came out not too long ago. Uh, Konami pulled it once the game was uh, canceled. It was a sneak teaser kind of game for a upcoming Silent Hills, which was going to be a game starring Norman Reedus that uh, was a partnership between Kojima and Guillermo del Toro, and it's one of the most terrifying, amazing, and it's not even a game, but it's the best horror game I've ever played. It just it looked it showed off the Fox Engine gameplay engine. Uh, it had character design. Designs by um, oh God, I uh, the guy that did Spiral and all those freaky uh, horror mm. mangas. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like a literal. It was a literal all-star squad of high-end production dedicated to a franchise that was beloved, but it was severely underserved. And um, he was he was he was kind of like taking it in like yeah i'm gonna save this franchise i'm gonna norman reedus was in it. which is interesting because he said he was a quote he, he was he's like not a big horror person he but he said a guy like myself that is such a chicken and is so easily scared making a scary game i'm very confident that something horrifying would come out of that but on the other hand i would have to prepare myself to have nightmares every single day hopefully sometime in the future i'm able to work on this but i would really need to prepare to have daily nightmares um, Did you guys play this? Yes. Did you beat it? Yeah. I couldn't beat it because there was a bug that was like a common bug where you had to wait a certain amount of time to move to the next area and the next uh -huh. area. And um, I played it for four hours because I wanted to beat it so bad. It you was so good. You just got to tickle the controller and whisper the baby's name. <laughs> What's the baby's name? Sink Baby? It was like J J Jar. It was something. It was like Jared, I think, or something like that. Oh, I don't think so, I ever found So that. there's a motion touch on the PlayStation 4. 
So this is the thing. They thought it was going to take people months. It took people a matter of like I think maybe hours or like a day within to a figure day. This people out. were like accidentally unlocking it, and then when the actual method of unlocking it was formalized, it's in you know. There's a touch sensor on your controller. You have to tickle the touch sensor and whisper into the controller because there's also a mic thing in the controller. You go, Jared. Jared. It's like the creepiest thing to do. Like yeah, just it doing really it creepy. is creepy. <laughs> and then that is what will get you finally into the final space of the game. There's a bunch okay. of other stuff before that, but like I said, hunt this game down. It is it is such a it's a rare find. Find a friend who has a PlayStation 4 and has the game on it. Believe you me, if they have a PlayStation 4 and they downloaded this game, you're, they're most likely hanging on to it for dear life. PlayStation 4s with this game on them sell for thousands. I, I checked recently. They, there is a PT bonus that will drive up the price, but the speculation limited edition PT boom is not. It's not that high yet. Yeah, it's not that high. It anymore. is also if you upgrade to a PS4. Pro PT will transfer over if That's you do good. the backup right That's because good. it is a it is a one to one like save file over from your previous PlayStation. So the the fallout begins here. the The game gets canceled in 2015. Kojima and his senior staff plan to leave Konami following the completion of Metal Gear Five. Konami announced a restructuring of its video game business and removed references of Kojima and Kojima Productions for the promotional materials of the game. That's the most important thing. Okay, they started to actually. Take Kojima's name. Arguably one of the only auteurs of, of, of video games in general. They remove, like, like uh, that is insane to take the Kojima name off of posters for the game. Now, this is where a lot of gamer outrage uh, came from because he was already this heralded hero who was going to, like, bring back Silent the Silent Hill franchise with a vengeance. He was already this cool guy that has been around for years. His Twitter is adorable. He posts, like, delicious cakes that he's eating in any given time <laughs> he was like cool with celebrities he was like funny he was a personable guy and uh konami was like fucking with him because here's the thing at this specific era console video games were not making a lot of money not making in a comparison lot. To, to gambling machines to uh Pachinko machines, slot machines, and mobile games. Yep, so they started making, like, a Silent Hill pachinko machine and stuff like that and started removing, kind of pulling away from games. And this was obviously, you know, for, and, and for this all, man specifically, and too. for the things that we're talking about, like, oh, a tour, oh, visionary, like, the thing about auteurs is they are really expensive because they're so, like, they won't make compromises. Yes, uh, and, there and was, take a long time to make a game. Uh, this is uh, from an interview with... Uh, Rika Muranaka, who is one of the composers on Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, and she talked about how uh, Kojima didn't get paid for his share of sales. He was paid a regular salary, so he didn't care about the game's budget. He would just keep reiterating and changing and going back and fixing things way after they were over budget. Uh, he would, uh, you know, the Fox engine was millions of dollars. Uh, she said that they paid her to write 30 to 40 songs that they ended up not using, and then he'd tell her to write, like, a dozen more. And finally, like, they would settle on the ones that he liked. Yeah. Like, he just... 
earned money. So Konami basically played the only like card they could to just try and reel him in. Yep. And uh, that was to take his name off of it. Unfortunately, he was everyone's favorite cool Japanese uncle. Yeah, that's going to be a bit of an issue. And um, man, they even went as far as not allowing him to go receive awards for Metal Gear Solid Five at the Game Awards. Um, and that the was Spike video game. The Spike, which is like whatever. <laughs> but that and and what was crazy too was the host Jeff Keighley, mm. who was good friends with Kojima, announced this live on stage mm. to sort of damn Kodami as hard as possible. Metal Gear Solid Five, by the way, comes out. He pulled away from like the longer cutscenes. He said he believed long cutscenes were outdated. It was more about the gameplay. It's this big, amazing military sandbox. I loved this game. I played every main and side mission. I could not get enough of this game. I thought it was so good. It had all the humor and weirdness of a Kojima game. The story is batshit insane. People had problems with the ending, but I, I Which thought it ending? was... ending? Yeah, the final, 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 final one. Well, but then there was also endings hidden on the game disc. There were um, that they had to retrieve. There were cutscenes and missions that, that because the production, of course, uh, uh, with this falling out, it was cut short, so there was a whole big section of end end game. There was like a whole third act mm-hmm. that apparently was not included in the game. So there's also those questions as well that have surfaced about uh, you know. And I've seen some of those videos and everything. Over eighty million dollars was spent on the development of the game. I mean, I can kind of see Konami's end of this, and at the same time, I'm glad uh, Kojima was set free. Finally, he was set free. He came out. An E3 2016 press conference and revealed he's working with Sony. He started Kojima Productions, and he revealed a a very small teaser for the game, Death Stranding, starring Norman Reedus Uh, holding a baby, looking crazy. Invisibaby. Oh, it's so good. It's so cool. It's so good. And uh, for justice, by the way, for for Kojima, was uh, Japanese laws actually changed significantly in the past few years and making uh, pachinko and slot machines far less profitable. And uh, lucrative, and so that's when Konami was very gently being like, "Well, how about Metal Gear Survive, guys?" <laughs> Which was that janky crystal yeah, zombie like multiplayer thing they they've made. By the using way, Metal Gear assets. they took all the names off of the promotional materials. But if you play Metal Gear Solid Five, you will see Kojima's name before and after <laughs> every <laughs> single mission in the game because he added credits to every single mission, pre and post credits, to so that you'll see his name uh, at least a hundred times playing that game. Oh god, the music in that game is so good. That like, oh, it's, oh, it's, all I, the pretend. I like people are like, oh, it's amazing. so pretentious. Like, oh, you're a guy named Ishmael, or like, uh-huh. and you see a white whale uh-huh. and all that shit. I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah, I love that. It was uh, all. I, I, I love this quote that I got. It was although the trailer had snakes suffering from hallucinations in the form of a flaming whale, Kojima assured that there was a balance in realism. <laughs> <laughs> also, there, oh, and we didn't even get to the crazy thing where like. Hideo Kojima was promoting the game as the Phantom Pain without acknowledging yes, that it was Metal was Gear. This crazy campaign where he was saying it was somebody else's game. He was wearing a, like a silicone mask of a white guy and showing up to <laughs> interviews as, as if everyone was like, you're definitely Hideo Kojima in a freaky mask. And the best gift of all is the fact that he is still making games and will continue to be this person and, and give us these great things. I can't wait for Death
Death Stranding. And what my I, I love the little button. This came out just a few days ago. Kojima will attend this year's The Game Awards, where he will be receiving the 2016 Industry Icon Award on stage to make up for what happened That's with awesome. Kojima fucking him over. Oh, uh, I mean, Konami fucking him over. Uh, one last thing we skipped over. Just, I just sure. uh, He got Metal Gear Revengeance made, which was kind of supposed to be the mm-hmm. spin-off writing adventure that became its own unique action it's game. It's like a Devil with, May Cry kind of thing. With right? uh, Platinum Games, and mm-hmm. it is one of my favorite games ever. Oh, I need to it's play like, it. Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, I need to Dude, play can it. we do a stream? Can that yeah, be the first Wizard of the That'd be awesome. Yeah. Rules of Nature! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on yet another episode of Wizard and the Bruiser. Uh, thank you so much for all the support. Uh, join the Facebook page if you haven't already. There's some re- great discussions going on there. And please, uh, you know, ch- uh, uh, review us and all that good stuff on, we, uh, on uh, if, iTunes. If there's if you're talking to a friend and there's an episode of ours that you think they'd appreciate, send it their way. It is, we, you know, we're not purchasing Google Ad Network links. <laughs> we're not, uh, we, we have no Casper mattresses. <laughs> None. To, to hawk. I'm sleeping. Sleeping on the cold, dead floor. <laughs> I, I have a mattress, Jake. Stop bragging. Get a mattress. <laughs> I refuse. Every time I go over to his place. Hey, we want to join me on why the dirt pile. Hay? Why is there hay? <laughs> and you're, why, there's no re- I know you have enough. What I'm trying to say is word of mouth is the only way we can grow and we can make it better. Uh, you know, I've been having a blast with this show, and uh, it's especially a lot of the feedback from fans have been making it amazing. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much, Wendy, for joining us. Um, and thank you catch, for having me. Catch Unlimited Lives. Yeah, uh, if you like video games, check it out. It's another Cave Comedy Radio podcast. All right. Well, uh, anything else? Uh, follow me at Best Jake Young, and until next time, who grabbed my donger? Catch you waiting. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.